Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud to get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, you can also listen to the show there. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. July 23rd. At 4.30 p.m., I'll be doing a live My First Sketch during Philly Podfest. My guests will be the incredible shrinking Matt and Jackie, and we will be talking at Philly Improv Theater's second stage, 4.30, July 23rd. Tickets are already available at fitcomedy.com. But today's guest is Marissa Edelman, one half of the amazing Flying Edelman. Her first sketch is called Ryan Shabif. Ross Regan, Jonathan Forstater, and Peter Brown read as Tad, Chad, and Brad, a trio of roommates blaming all their problems on their other roommate, Ryan Shabif. Marissa Edelman plays Rachel, Chad's girlfriend, and I give all the stage directions and visual information. So, let's go to the sketch. Lights up. Interior, a gross dude house, dining room. Brad storms on stage and starts pacing back and forth. House meeting, guys. House meeting. Chad and Tad enter. All three guys take seats around the dining room table. Where's Ryan? Yeah, where is he? Typical. That's actually why I called a house meeting. I've had enough of Ryan Shabif. His antics have gone too far. Oh, thank God it's not just me. I woke up this morning to find that he pissed all over my room. Classic, Shabif. Last week, he shaved off his pubes and then used them to spell out Ryan Shabif was here in the shower. Shabif is ridiculous. Two days ago, he punched me in the face because he thought I was a robber, which would have been fine if I wasn't in bed sleeping. What a shithead? Oh, that reminds me, I have to go see what he did to my Thanksgiving leftovers. Tad walks off stage and returns with a Tupperware bowl and a note. He hands the note to Chad. Saved you some. Love, Ryan. That's not so bad, you know, at least he didn't eat the whole thing. Look inside. Chad opens the Tupperware. He and Brad look in and immediately Chad closes the lid. Chad and Brad make retching noises and other sounds of horror and disgust, but Brad seems to be merely play- seems to merely be playing along. That is disgusting. Uh, uh, speaking of disgusting, last week Ryan should be filled my fleshlight with jizz. Like, completely. There were cups of it. I'm honestly worried about him, medically. Ryan Shabif had someone airbrush a gay centaur three-way on the hood of my Jetta when he knew I was lead car in my mom's funeral procession. All three are visibly horrified, Tad slightly less so. Yeah, man. My uncle killed himself the next day because of it. You don't know that. He specifically cited it in his suicide note. Well, maybe Shabib should get a taste of his own medicine. We've lived under this asshole's tyranny for too long. We can't kick him out. He's on the lease. No, man. We find that motherfucker and we kill him. Where's Shabib? Tad starts to chant. It has the same cadence as where's the beef? Where's Shabib? Where's Shabib? Where's Shabib? Shabib? Where's Shabif? Brad and Where's Chad Shabif? join in. They're Where's chanting Shabif? as... 
Where's your beef? Where's your beef? Where's your beef? Whoa, 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 guys. We can't kill Ryan Shabif. Why not? I'm pretty sure murder is a crime. I can't go to jail for doing a crime. Exactly. Plus, I mean, you have to admit, sometimes Shabif isn't so bad. Yeah, I mean, he once replaced my anime porn stash with Bibles, but that's only because he didn't want my mom to find out that I'm sexually attracted to giant robots. And when Shabif banged my girlfriend, he did it to show me that she wasn't the right girl for me. Chad puts his hand on Tad's shoulder. You'll find her someday, man. Uh, Tad puts his hand on Chad's. Thanks, bro. I would even say that Ryan Shabif is the best guy who lives in this house. It was like he knew I was thinking about upgrading to a new ride when he stole my car, crashed it into a ditch, doused it in gasoline, and set it on fire. He's a gentleman and a scholar and... Brad starts to get choked up. (laughs) A damn good friend. To Shabif! 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 This goes on for a little while until Rachel, Chad's girlfriend, enters from stage left, carrying a bag of groceries. Uh, why are you chanting? Oh, hey, hey, babe. We were just talking about Ryan Shabif. Ryan Shabif? You mean that fourth roommate slash scapegoat you guys made up because you're monsters to each other? Don't say that about Shabif! Yeah, he's an American hero who may also be Chinese, but we haven't quite decided if that's racist or not. Rachel pinches the bridge of her nose and takes a deep breath. Whatever. Also, which one of you dum-dums tried to replace my hairspray with mace? It was just a can of pepper spray with a post-it note that said hairspray attached to it. Chad, Brad, and Tad look alarmed. They all stick out both arms, pointing to each other, the other two roommates. Shabif did it! Blackout. Uh, hey, Marissa. Hey, how's it going? All right. Uh, so tell me about this idea. Where did this come from? Oh, my God. Ryan Shabif. Um, I think Ryan Shabif is... Uh, so my brother and I live together. My brother, mm-hmm. Jonathan, uh, the other half of the amazing Flying Edelman. Um, and we had this joke. He came up with this name, Ryan Shabif, and it turned into this joke about we had this phantom roommate who lived in the back room of our basement. Okay. Uh, and that every time something bad happened, we would blame it on Ryan Shabif. Like, oh, the toilet broke, Ryan Shabif did it. Even though it was John that did it. Yeah, well, it was, <laughs> I, I don't think we ever actually, like, implemented it. We just, like, would joke, like, right, okay. oh, it's Ryan Shabif again. Like, okay. Uh, and then, so, I started taking Sketch 101 with Jackie Baker, and then this was, I don't think this was the first assignment, but I wrote the sketch first. Okay, uh, roughly when was your Sketch 101, Jackie Baker? Sketch 101 was, I think, session two of last year, so like March 2016. Okay, um, so we've talked to John before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're my first, sib- well, actually, that's not true, because I had your mom ah. collectively, but you're the first individual siblings, uh, and you were here that night that John and I recorded. Yes. Uh, so hopefully you remember it more than I do because I did not do my homework and I didn't do the <laughs> research. And I, so I some of it, yeah. So everything from your side, from your perspective, is now yeah. you know fresh and new for me. All right, so let's go to the beginning. Okay. Uh, what What were you into growing up? What made you laugh? What made me laugh? I think the biggest, my big two are Monty Python and The Simpsons. I'm like a humongous Monty Python nerd. Actually, like this tattoo I have uh, on my arm. There's three roses on it. 
two red, one blue from the opening of Monty Python's Flying Circus where they have the... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like the flowers come out in the name and there's three red roses and one blue rose. Huh. Uh, I wonder how many other people have like comedy-inspired tattoos and, and let's... Let's yeah. do that research. Let's yeah. figure that out. That would be really interesting because, like, it was, it's definitely something that, like, has shaped my sense of humor, like, mm. that absurdism. When did you start watching Monty? Like, was this, like, the PBS yeah. Monty? Okay. Yes. Because my, my parents had us watch a lot of PBS, and my parents really loved comedy and still do. Mm. Um, this is also probably on Jonathan's episode. But we had uh, just all sorts of, like, tapes. My dad, every time Blackadder was on PBS, my dad would tape it. Um, you know, we watched The Simpsons. A lot of my friends growing up, like their parents wouldn't let them watch The Simpsons, but we I, watched I, as a family. I wasn't allowed basically until they were syndicated. So like, wow. like I never watched it like live, uh, but I was allowed, you know, when they did that like 6.30 run, like mm-hmm. when they started yeah. doing nightly. And Black Adder, okay, you bring a Black Adder, and uh, I have such an affinity for the last full series, the oh season four, I cry. World War One, I. I cry at that finale. Like, it's so good. I think the f- like the season four finale is one of the best oh half God. hours of television ever. Ever, it's like, so, so good. Like the way, like the way. I mean, spoiler alert. I guess um, about World War One. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you haven't seen it, uh, they all the whole series about them trying not to go over the trenches, and they finally get sent over the yeah. top, and it just fades to a field of poppies. It's just so beautiful. And, and like I forget there's a, I forget what the music's playing, but the music has, like, a, a, a oh sentimental yeah. symbolism that I can't remember, but... Yeah, it's it's one of the, like, it's one of the war songs yeah. from World War One played on, like, a piano. It's just, like, it's it's that kind of, like, immersive, like, having the imagery, having yeah. the music, having the acting all together to make comedy that also is more than just comedy, it's social commentary, and it, it hurts to watch because you <laughs> love these characters. Yeah, because um, I think I think that season is Black Adder at his like least awful. Yeah. So there's even more of a uh, an, attra- an attraction to him as a character, like yeah, because he's a total dirtbag in two and three, like complete schemer, like selfish to to an extent, like trying to get rich. We're basically in Black Adder four. During World War One, they're just trying to survive. Like it's yeah. no longer about getting rich, staying rich. It's life and death more than anything. Yeah, I think the way they describe it is that Blackadder's fortunes decline in every single one. So he goes from being like the prince to like uh, a nobleman to a servant. So, yeah, that's to right. A common person who's a captain who's surrounded by the same rich people and melch it and all them but they're so incompetent and they hold so much power right over him. right the general's you know 25 miles away or whatever yeah. it is like i never thought i never really thought of it that way that's awesome yeah it's it, it's really great and i don't know that's <laughs> it's a really good season too because like any hugh laurie's in that one Stephen fry's in that yeah. one it's like the whole gang's there uh have you ever what's your favorite simpsons episode simpsons, oh my god <laughs> it's like sophie's choice um you can you can do multiple. I'm can, not gonna okay. be picky. So Camp Krusty is really great. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, I forget what oh there's no I forget what it's called, but it's the one where they get taken away by uh, CPS and sent to the Flanders. Oh, uh, the Flan- Okay, yeah, as um, foster children. Um, yeah. Like there's no home diddly. diddly yeah, there's no place like home diddly dum doodly. Um, Sherry Bob, the Sherry Bobbins episode. Uh, oh my God, I could like go on forever. Uh, Shit was uh, <laughs> itchy and scratchy. Land's really good. Is there a favorite character? Favorite character probably. Or most know. quotable or most. I like Lisa. I like Grandpa a lot. Okay. Um. 
obviously Bart, but yeah, I think probably Lisa and Grandpa are my my big two. Mm. Um, what's your introduction to sketch comedy? Uh, oh, I mean, other I mean, Monty Python sketch comedy. So that's yeah. a dumb question since we've already introduced it. Uh, what do you? Okay, well, I since I'm asking about favorites, everything. Do you have a favorite Monty Python sketch? Like, is there something that sticks mm. out? Let's see. I mean, like, there's all the classics that I really like. One of the, one of the ones that I, I think season four of Monty Python is very underrated. It's the one after John Cleese leaves, and it just gets weird. I didn't even know that there was a season after without oh, yeah. John Cleese. So there's 45 episodes of Monty I know so much. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, seriously obsessed. Did not have friends for a minute in college. All <laughs> I did was watch Monty Python. Uh, so there's 45 episodes. I think the last six are season four. The rest of them are 13 episodes apiece. Right. Okay. And it's... Um, like Terry Gilliam has more speaking roles in it, and it just gets really, really bizarre. Uh, like Ma- uh, Michael Palin and Terry Jones took over a lot of the writing, and they mm-hmm. were doing more of the long-form conceptual sketches. Um, okay. So yeah, so I guess two of my favorite sketches from them are one is the full. They have a cycling tour episode where it's just Michael Palin riding around on his bike, encountering people, trying to find, trying to do like a, a tour of like Southwest England, and he ends up in Russia. And like it, but it's the other, the other guys are the, the other characters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that one's entirely written by Michael Palin and Terry Jones. And then my other favorite sketch of theirs is another Palin Jones sketch where they're making fun of Cleese and Chapman, who wrote a lot of list sketches, okay. like uh, like cheese shop, uh, you know, parrot sketch and things yeah. like that. So they do one where they're like two old women talking about their horoscopes, and they start listing synonyms for the for the uh, like prediction and like this mm-hmm. big sign comes down and one of them <laughs> pulls out like a pointer and like they get uh, the audience to read along. So it gets a little meta in there. So and meta. That's and interesting. And it's this really funny sketch that I've loved and then you find out that they wrote that sketch to make fun of their friends. It just <laughs> makes me love it that much more. Like uh, Mighty Python, we talk about Mighty Python a lot on this episode, on this podcast mm-hmm. uh, because we're comedy nerds. But I have to admit that my knowledge of Monty Python is almost purely the movies. Like yeah. I haven't seen that many of the Flying Circus episodes and there's only a few, like, and basically like anything I've ever really seen from the show have been like the best of compilations. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, they did a series this is probably like five, ten years ago of like each person's best work. Yeah, they had the, the um, best of DVDs yeah. where they all picked their favorite sketches. And there was a one in the Michael Palin uh, called Blackmail, the game show. Oh, that one's so good. I, and that's such a, I love that sketch. And that's like my favorite of, you know, the few that I've seen. But yeah. My, yeah, my dad, my dad actually loves that sketch because I, because uh, the part where they try to come up with a, a racial slur for Belgians <laughs> and their favorite one is miserable, fat Belgian bastards. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Like it's just, it's, it's not funny and yet it's super funny. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't watch Flying Circus. Um, I saw it on PBS, and then my parents actually got me like the Time Life VHS mm-hmm. series. So like every month they'd sure. send me a new VHS uh, when I graduated. Which from high had school. to be ex- like yeah. <laughs> in <laughs> retrospect, it was a ton of money. And then I spent like so I graduated high school in like 2004. So DVDs were like stupid Ju- expensive. This yeah, time. they had just started. They yeah. were still you know still very new. So there's no wa- Walmart like five dollar bins no, yet. No. Like, if you were lucky, you could get, like, a $7 DVD. Yeah. So I spent, like, $180 <laughs> of my graduation money on the 14-disc DVD box set of Monty Python's Flying <laughs> Circus, which no longer works because I've watched it so many times. And I'm sure there's, like, an upgraded 
are like box set by now. Like yeah, I think you can they just had, stream it. They have to have re-released it at least once in the point. Like I don't know. I feel like because isn't there isn't it. there a joke about Eric Idle just always wanting money and like yeah, he loves money. <laughs> so they'll always re-release anything that they want. Like yeah, Eric Idle and John Cleese were definitely the most like money focused of the two of them. John Cleese was more like, well, we need to sell something. And Eric Idle's like, I just want money. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like I think part like a bit of the contention about spam a lot. Like yeah. isn't there. Yeah, I think some of them weren't completely on board because they thought he was just cashing in. Like, mm-hmm. Palin and Jones, I think, are also the most, like, uh, for the art. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, about it. Uh, so, but I think they eventually all agreed on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, they had to do those, that tour. Oh, yeah, they did. Because weren't they, they did the live sued shows. or something? Like, someone made a joke that they're only doing this because they were sued. That there's oh, some, yeah, there was some kind of lawsuit that I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I think someone wanted like some of the profits from Life of Brian yeah. or something like that. Like I haven't been following that closely. Uh, okay, what's Monty your Python legal <laughs> history? <laughs> <laughs> you just said you're like a huge fan, and so why don't you dive into like the the CD part of it? I think it's because I have other hobbies now than obsessively <laughs> learning about Monty Python. Other hobbies are overrated. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, be here if I didn't have other hobbies. <laughs> uh, so what? What's your introduction to like American sketch comedy? American sketch comedy. Um, like, or did you start SNL. watching SNL? Yeah, yeah, definitely watched um, SNL as a kid. Uh, I got a TV in my bedroom when I was like nine or ten, so I would stay up late and I would watch. I had like a whole uh, whole ritual where I would watch the first half of Mad TV, and then I would switch to SNL and like switch back and forth. So this was probably starting around like. 96, 97, so it was okay. like Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry. So yeah, we're roughly like in that Tim same Meadows. class of yeah. where, we were, was, yeah. where we were watching, like, uh, shoot, I'm not going to blank on all the MTV, Matt TV guys' names, like, oh, well, there was, um, uh, Phil Lamar yeah. and, like, uh, Phil Lamar and all Harry those, like, Spears, Frank Caliendo, yeah. Andy Daly was on there when and, I watched Andy, it. Andy, yes. Uh, There's like so many sleep. people that are on, that were on Matt TV that people don't realize yeah. we're on that tv i didn't even i watched mad tv for years i didn't know jordan peele was on there i remember he may, he might have came in later i stopped watching in like the early keegan michael key years yeah, right so, but yeah, like, so did I. yeah bobby lee all those people like. um there, there's one sketch and it's not really even a sketch we can't even call it a sketch but it's a uh, uh ike baron holtz and bobby lee teaching jordan peele how to drive <laughs> and it's hilarious <laughs> it's so funny like it and it's all just the interplay of just the they're real characters and mm-hmm. um, like of the later, the later era of Mad TV. That's probably like a standout that you should go and watch if you've yeah, seen it. Yeah, check that out. Like oh. I, I'm <laughs> trying to remember the Mad TV sketches I really liked. Um, one of them was Popular in the House, which is like it's it's super racist. But Artie Lang committed so hard to it was my white mama. Yeah. Like yeah. it's and yeah the pre- like the premise of that is like Artie Lang's character like runs is over a woman yeah and gets black and her soul gets incarnated into him and, and it's, it's so fucking racist but like he just he acts so hard in it but uh, like okay is it one of those things that is it racist or is it commenting on I don't know like because I haven't seen that since probably ninety seven like yeah, same uh so I w- I'd wonder if we can go back and watch it and be like. Yeah, this is a, like, we'll is it, it okay? Or I don't know yeah. if it holds up, but um, I don't know. And the other one was, um, and then I've watched this on YouTube. It's very hard to find a good copy of. was uh, the PAX TV version of The Sopranos. Yes, I love that's, that. That's, that's really funny. So amazing. Just like the the cut, the quick cuts and just them saying the F word 47 yeah. times. Just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. 
Yeah. And they're like eating the gabagool, and then like, <laughs> and then like a stripper walks in and immediately leaves. That is a, a ri- cause yeah, that's a really fun uh, bit of satire because like, Sopranos were syndicated to like one of the other cable channels, and they mm-hmm. did have to either bleep out a lot or like, yeah, and it's, it just made. And going to PAX and just going all the way, just uh, perfect. Yeah, it was like, it, I think that like the end joke was that it's like from, you know, 10.01 to 10.03. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. like that. It was really great. Um, what, who would be your favorite Center Life cast member, since I ask everybody? Uh, Phil Hartman. Yeah. Just utility player. Awesome. I think he got ranked number one in like list of best SNL I, cast members w- or something yeah, like that. Yeah, when that 40th anniversary happened, there was a ton of different websites that had various lists mm-hmm. and... I said anything that didn't ha- that he wasn't one or two is meaningless. Yeah. And, I, and I think the Rolling Stone one had him like at like seven, and I was just like, no. Yeah, I think Will Ferrell's also towards the top. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a soft spot for Adam Sandler, but like more from his movies than I think from SNL. Now well, that's that I fine. I don't. It. I don't necessarily like exclude post SNL work when I ask yeah. that question. So, is there like what? All right. I mean, favorite SNL movie: Coneheads and Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wayne's World would be mine too. Yeah. Um, so Adam Sandler gets a lot of crap now because his movies are probably garbage. I haven't yeah. watched them in a while. What would be your favorite movie of his? Ooh. Okay. I I I gotta narrow it down to two. Favorite silly movie: Billy Madison. Like hands down. I've seen Billy Madison first probably one. thirty well, times. Not, like it's not the first one, but it's the first major one yeah. of his. And uh, I will I, like firm stance. Wedding Singer is the best romantic comedy yeah. of the nineteen nineties. I love that movie so much. It is just top to bottom because it's like it's sweet, but they also have some of that like Sandler gross humor. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there like if there's any other romantic comedies that I would. I guess like Sleepless in Seattle. That's what I was thinking. Like Sleepless in Seattle, you got mail. Like those Tom Hanks. Like I do. I love you've got mail, but Wedding Singer is funnier. Wedding Singer. Well, yeah, Wedding Singer is fantastic. Okay. Um, so, y- where where do we go from comedy fan as a family to um, like we're roughly the same age, I think. Yeah. Um, and you're relatively. Li- it's not late, but. In the comedy world, there's a lot of people that like are way younger, like not way younger, but they like are. <laughs> there there are like a lot of like 22s, 23s, yeah. And you know, I just I'm 31. Yeah, I'm 30. Okay, like so there's like this whole and it feels like w- a weird generation gap. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm gonna say you are a little late, despite the fact that yeah. we can you know Phil Hartman was like 35 when he yeah really got into it. Um, where do you get into comedy? I mean, I've always done comedy stuff. Like, I wrote, like, short comedic, like, I wouldn't even call them a sketch. They're, like, short plays and stuff. That's why I didn't bring any of the stuff I wrote in from high school. How long like would they 30 be? 30 pages. That's too long. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's not a sketch. Um, and I, was in, I wrote for uh, a humor newspaper when I was in college, uh, The Fed at Columbia, which was actually started by Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. Uh, and I wrote a um, bunch of, like, articles. It wasn't a conservative <laughs> paper. I'm a socialist, guys. It's okay. <laughs> I, I just I just really can't picture him having a sense of humor. I don't think it started as a humor paper. I think it started as like a, like I'm an edgy guy kind of paper because I think it was like him and like a liberal and a Republican because he was he's a libertarian. And yeah. The three of them started like a kind of like anti-establishment paper that okay. eventually turned into okay, like I see. an onion sort of thing. Uh, I wrote for that and was like a, an editor there at Columbia. Like yeah, I went to to Barnard. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was, we wrote a lot of really offensive stuff. Uh, (laughs) 
And then I, yeah, I didn't really, I always liked comedy. I always wanted to write comedy and like in my like fiction writing is always kind of comedic, mm -hmm. but I didn't really think about pursuing it, like writing sketches. I thought about doing stand up, but it was always like, oh, I'm just not going to be good at it. Like yeah. whatever, who cares? And then my brother took uh, a class, I think at the uh, January 2016 with Jack. Okay. So he was he made first. Me do it. Yeah. He, he started this. Yeah. Um, but I, if I do remember correctly, when I talked to John, like there, like you guys, there was like sibling rivalry for a while. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, uh, or basically comedy is, was the connection uh, now had, or even of. growing up. Like, I mean, we'd always like, we, we watched TV together as kids. Like we, we did not get along at all <laughs> as children. We're five years apart. And I was like a grade ahead too. So like when we were in school, we were six grades apart. Yeah. And it was just like the age difference was really big mm -hmm. and we would just get on each other's nerves and like we were kind of like in competition a little bit, which, you know, not cool. Don't don't well, raise your kids like that. But like at the same time, like how much competition is there when you're in ninth grade and he's in third, like. It, there was one time where like, they said to me, like, Jonathan got, like, A's and B's. I had gotten a C in something. And I was just like, he's in fifth grade. <laughs> I'm in high school. Like, it wasn't, it was like a, you know, our parents weren't, like, you know, like, putting us on a, a chart and saying, like, <laughs> oh, Jonathan's ahead this week. There should have been a chart. But they were just both, like, really pushing us and encouraging us. And I think inadvertently they, that, they that put us against each other. The, yeah, that encouragement went the wrong way yeah. a little bit. Uh no, they definitely, but they're like, they're so supportive of us at the same time. I think it was just like a little too much pushing sometimes. <laughs> plus, plus me and Jonathan are really competitive people naturally. Right. So I'm not going to blame my parents for that. Um, but yeah, we had, we started like hanging out again when I was in law school and Jonathan was in college because we both went to Temple. Mm -hmm. And then we're just like, because we hadn't like hung out because I had been in college and he was living with my parents and then I moved back home and he was in right, college. Right, at a, at a certain point, they he is the goofy younger brother maybe not necessarily want to be around yeah. like because yeah. he's annoying me and i'm like yeah. it's my brother because like my sister's seven years older than i am and i'm the youngest and i was the goofy little brother yeah. like whenever their friends around i was always like hey and like playing yeah. like look at me look at me look <laughs> at me like yes that is exactly it um and I'm like an overly serious goth teenager <laughs> so like i wanted none of that <laughs> but as an adult i was just like Oh, hey, we're actually, like, really similar. <laughs> Maybe that's why we weren't getting along, because we're both obnoxious. And then it was also really cool as an adult to be, like, you know, we're having that, like, mid-20s sulk fest. You're like, no, <laughs> I'm so shitty, and, like, my personality sucks. And I was just like, oh, wait, you're exactly like me, so, like, you seem to be okay. <laughs> so he takes Sketch 101 at Fit. Yeah. You do it the next term. Yes. Um, both do Jackie? Yes, both. Okay. Uh, he said I had to take it with Jackie, and that was a good call. I okay. love Jackie. But, I mean, not that the other people aren't. Oh, no. Everyone, like, the whole, everyone who teaches <laughs> sketch at FIT is awesome, and I, now love, that we their know them I love their work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so what was the first thing you guys did together on stage? First thing? Or what, where do we get to Amazing Fly and Edelman? Like, okay. You do, you do the classes separately. What's next for? We had already kind of started writing together, like when he was working on, um, working on his sketches for Jackie's mm -hmm. class before I even signed up, and I was against that. Like I was like, I don't want to do this. Like it's whatever. Um, but he would like read it by me, and I was like, oh, like, 
this line, <laughs> maybe you could change it to that. Like, maybe that's a little, you mm-hmm. know, that'll work a little better. Like, you know, this you could tweak this because, like, I have a creative writing background um, and an editing background. So I would I would suggest stuff to him. And, he w- and, you know, I started writing some stuff down when I would have an idea and he would tell me what he was learning. So I wrote, I think I wrote Ryan Shadif, like, around the time I started my sketch class mm-hmm. or slightly before. Okay. Um, and because that's not, like... I mean, I don't know what the current curriculum is, but like when I did Sketch My One five years ago, it was a character, a character monologue, fish out of water parody. That's uh, that's two hundred one now. Yeah, that's so yeah. I took two hundred one with Matt Schmid, and it ended up being like the same curriculum as the one hundred one I took with Jackie. But I don't think we did a monologue. Okay. I missed the first class though, so we could have. And, I, and it might not have been a monologue. It might have just been the three. But my character yeah. was a monologue, so yeah, I might be. So is that what is this? My character sketch. That's a character sketch. Um, that but was the second assignment we had. The first assignment we had was a parody sketch, but I had already written Ryan mm-hmm. Shadif. Uh, and my parody sketch assignment, I wrote uh, Who's On First, which is like a Abbott and Costello parody where their relationship breaks down during the sketch. Okay. Um, um, yeah, so then from there, uh, we Jonathan and I just started like writing sketches together after that, and they weren't, Fit wasn't offering 201 for like a really long yeah. time. So we just, we went to SketchUp a few times. Um, and we just started writing together, and then uh, we took the good, good creating or producing a comedy show class. And we're like, all right, we're going to use this to produce our first sketch show, right? Which cartoons. was Human the Cartoons, yeah. Um, um, and then, uh, so the first time we went on stage together was during theme show in August, which was I think it was some kind of family theme. Okay, which and makes sense for yeah. the sibling duo to yeah. So th- and the sketch we did there was Garg Uncle of Baby, which was the closing sketch in Human Cartoon. That's a that's a fun sketch. I enjoyed okay. that. Thank you. Yeah, Garg Uncle of Baby, and that comes from me and Jonathan joking around. Our roommate Greg, his sister had a, a baby, mm-hmm. and we started calling him Garg Uncle of Baby. I was about to say. So you just invert the the vert. I mean the the vowel, the yeah. middle two letters, and just just go. Yeah. Go right away. Yeah, and it was just really fun calling him Garg Uncle of Baby. He <laughs> hates it. <laughs> Um, but then we were like, well, okay, Gar- who's Gargoggle of Baby? He's a barbarian. Like, what would Gargoggle Baby do? Or what if he goes into Babies R Us and smashes up the place because yeah. he's a barbarian and doesn't understand baby stuff? Yeah, because why would a barbarian understand that? Yeah, but he wants to repair, but he has a tense relationship with his sister and he wants <laughs> to get her a good present. <laughs> so, like, and I think that was, that also, like, took a lot of inspiration from, like, we had started taking improv classes, which are very relationship-focused. Uh, okay, so Sketch 101 Jackie, 201 Matt, Improv. 201, well, 201 we just took recently. Right, okay. Um, and then we started taking the improv curriculum. So we had 101 with Frank. To, are you? We're full. We went through the entire curriculum. We're in, together? Uh, yes. Wow, and we're actually okay. in conservatory together now. My gosh. I know, right? That's. We hang out all the time. It's I, ridiculous. That's, 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 <laughs> what, that's the math that's coming to my head. I was like, holy crap. Is this the first time John has not been in the room with you? <laughs> like... <laughs> We are, we do hang out all <laughs> the time. It's crazy, especially now because our show's coming up. Yeah. And we're just like literally spending all our time together all right. working. 101 with Frank Farrell. 101 with Frank Farrell. 201 with Meredith Weir. Okay. 301 with Jess Snow. 401 with Nick Gillette. Improv with Frank Farrell. Or sorry, Conservatory with Frank Farrell. Okay. Awesome. We're doing the deconstruction. Okay. Um, that's that's crazy. Yeah. I. Uh, on one hand, like, I just can't get over that. That like. On one hand, it has to strengthen the the work ethic of you two together. But at a certain point, I just have to imagine I'd get sick of you, like, <laughs> or like vice versa, you know, like. 
I think it's because we have really similar personalities. We're usually on the same page about stuff. Like, mm-hmm. if we're in class, there's something that happens that, like, we don't like, or there's something we see mm-hmm. in a scene that we're like, oh, that was interesting. Like, we, we talk about what we did in class afterwards, and we talk about, like, what we like, what we didn't like, how that informs, like, well, if we were doing that, what right. will we do? Um, and it's just, like, we're, we have, like, we're, like, comedy process buddies, I guess. Um, so I think, I think the first time I, when I talked to John, you know, that night, it was for the debut of Gimmick Show, I think, roughly. I think, I think uh, that yeah, was, the, was I think that was when we reached out and, and did it. So how's Gimmick Show doing? Oh, Gimmick Show is so great. I'm so happy with it. We did our fourth show this month. Mm-hmm. We are writing uh, our June show right now. Um, but yeah, we have like a really great crew of people every month. Like we're really starting to come together as a group because we're like 13 of us plus a band. That's a lot. Or 10 of us in a band. Um, and and just every it's just every episode is just like controlled chaos, which mm-hmm. is what we like how we kind of imagined it, where mm-hmm. it, it seems unplanned, but we worked crazy hard on it. Sh- but you have the new show. Um, mm-hmm. Was it decline of Western civilization? Decline of Western culture. Culture, okay. Yeah. And uh, we like, how's that going? As oh, it's so good. Like I'm so ha- like I was really excited for human cartoons. I'm like a million times more excited for decline of Western culture uh, because it's. I don't know. I think we, we've definitely taken on a lot more this time. The sketches are more complicated. Some of them are really tech heavy, but like is it just still the two of you doing everything? Like, there's no extra actors, no featuring. No, all the live stuff is just two people. We have um, we have some video sketches voice that, yeah. uh, that like my friend uh, my friend Drew sat in in Jonathan's place because we play a couple. It's okay. Weird. Yeah. Um, that's that's one of the thing with the sibling. Uh, duo you can't do that relationship thing <laughs> without without the context of uh Phileas Dirtiest oh yeah like we do play a couple in uh or at least in it one feels of our weird. sketches yeah like, we're not like we're not like touching each other right we're arguing so it's a little easier to handle but yeah the only time we're like a loving couple actually no we have we have two sketches <laughs> in this new one where we play couples <laughs> So uh, I say, <laughs> I say you shouldn't do this, and you're like, no, we've got a couple, we're fine, it's all right. Like, yeah. but I think being siblings forces us not to default to like, well, I'm a guy and you're a girl, let's play a couple. Right. Um, you can default to siblings; it's perfectly there. fine. What's that? Is you that? can default to siblings; it's yeah. perfectly fine. We're siblings. Uh, sometimes we're we're friends, we're coworkers. Like it just it it kind of forces us to think outside of like the the tension and the stakes of a romantic yeah, right. relationship. Right, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, like. I think we're yeah we have one where we're enemies, one where we're roommates, one uh, two where we're romantically involved, and one where we're just us. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I think we're gonna do some more. Like I, I don't know if we can say it. I I'm pretty sure we're gonna be opening up for Flat Earth, and then we're gonna do a run of probably two fit shows. Is the way we've been doing it. We'll do two at Good Good, two at Fit. Um. All right, I ask. Everyone, these questions because we're wrapping. I think we're wrapping up. Oh uh, yeah, we're good on time. All right, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, what have you learned from comedy so far? What What's something it, you know? I, it's always either existential about life itself or something practical that you would pass on to a new writer. Um, I think either and or both. Yeah, I think comedy like it definitely forces you to grapple with like any kind of like self-esteem or social anxiety kind of stuff that you issues that you have because you really you really are putting yourself out there and like committing to something that Mm -hmm. you wrote and that you put your name on and that you're like displaying to the world um and 
I, I don't I really like that like improv like forces you to listen sketch makes you really like kind of consider your message and what you're putting out there mm-hmm. so I think it just the the practice of doing comedy makes you just a more like detail-oriented and mindful kind of person I think that's that's been my experience anyway I think it's it's been really great just like making me feel more confident in myself and what I do and what I put out in the world and making me uh consider my own integrity and what I want to put my name on and mm-hmm. want to be associated with. Um, and then, uh, finally, uh, you got a little nudge from John since <laughs> he did the, the class first and yeah. to get you into it. Why do you keep doing it? It's super fun. And I mean, I feel it's rewarding. I think, I mean, I feel like I'm getting, we're getting really good feedback. Everyone I meet is super nice. Like, I don't, I don't think I've met anyone in Philly comedy scene where I'm like, that person's an asshole. Like, everyone I've met has just been really cool, really supportive, um, and, I mean, a part of it is just, like, I like I like feedback. I like people being like, oh, my God, that was so funny, you know? And, I mean, there's still a self-doubt moment where I'm like, they're just telling me that because they're not going to go and say to my face, like, yeah. I thought your sketch was garbage. But it's, like, the, like the adrenaline rush of being on stage is great, mm-hmm. you know? You're, like, being on, going on stage, coming out and being like, I had an amazing show, like, you really don't get that kind of like high, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, for lack of a better term. You know, without else. getting high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Getting regular high, you don't feel that accomplished, though. I mean, unless you, I don't know, unless you grew the weed yourself or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I earned this. Right. Thanks, Melissa. Oh! <laughs> oh! oh, I knew that was gonna happen. Oh. Dang it! <laughs> oh. It's okay. Concern it. it. So you you made it through ninety nine percent of the show, and then <laughs> it's okay. Right. I forgive you. <laughs> Thanks, Marissa. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Marissa can be seen next as the amazing Flying Edelman present. The Decline of Western Culture on June 10th at 7 p.m. at Good Good Comedy with trigger warning opening. Tickets available at goodgoodcomedy.com. Then, Gimmick Show returns to Fit on June 17th at 10.30 p.m. On top of that, the Edelmans will also be performing during Couplescape at Fit twice on June 22nd and June 29th. Both of those shows are at 9 p.m., And tickets for those three are available at fitcomedy.com. Don't forget, tickets are already available for the live My First Sketch during Philly Podfest. I'll be talking to the incredible shrinking man Jackie at Philly Improv Theater's second stage on July 23rd at 4.30 p.m. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to woodercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com and like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.